Geek Nerdery. Player one, press start to play. Welcome to episode number 21 of Graveyard Duck Podcast. As always, my name is Scott. This is Snake. Oh, wait, no, and, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> he, somebody, somebody spliced into our call here. I'm in front of the disposal facility. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, don't be. That's good. Um, yeah. yeah, so if, if that's not a hint enough, we are uh, here on episode tw- 21 talking about Metal Gear. Um, Metal Gear. And not Metal Gear as in Snake, you know, voiced Metal Gear Solid game. Sorry, we got to go way back to... Original Metal Gear, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we are talking... This was actually a listener request um, and also a game that I've wanted to get to kind of since the beginning. So it works out well. But um, yeah, so Metal Gear actually came out for a couple of different systems. The two that we're mostly going to be focusing on are the MSX2 and the NES slash Famicom. Uh, this was originally released in July of 87 in Japan for the MSX2. Mm-hmm. Uh, later that same year in Europe for the MSX. Um, December of 87, Japan got the Famicom version. June of 88, US got the NES. And mm-hmm. then sometime in 89, the NES version headed over to the PAL region. So yeah, uh, about a three-year span of different versions of this coming out. Somewhere in there, there was an MS-DOS version. There was a Commodore 64 version, uh, both of which were kind of based on the NES port, and um, although with some minor changes. And they teased an Amiga version, which never actually came out. But um, hmm. yeah, we're mostly going to be talking about the MSX2 version and the NES Famicom version, which, uh, despite what you might think, are incredibly different games. So, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Kind of the same template, but um, almost like what a uh, a modern like remake would be of a classic movie in a way. You know, that's that's actually pretty similar, or not even a remake of a movie, but a lot of these like uh, like reloaded games that have been mm. coming out for like WiiWare and things. Like uh, we did Blaster Master Zero was kind of a re envisioning of yeah. Blaster Master. Yes. Yeah, there uh-huh. was. Castlevania games and things like that. Only in this case, going from the MSX to the NES and Famicom, you did not get any graphics updates, really. It was essentially the same engine, same graphics, same everything. Mm. It was, um, from my understanding, 
when they started developing the the Famicom version, they did not have complete rights to do so, mm. um, or at least the original team. Mm-hmm. From from what I understand, and take this you know loose with a grain of salt, but the original team that designed Metal Gear for the MSX2 did not approve of a Famicom port. Right. So when mostly, they start, yeah. Hideo Kojima really didn't have much involvement with it at all. Right. Um, it was another division of Konami. Um, so basically they had the source code for it. They started making it. Kojima had, you know, it was really pissed when he found out about it. And mm-hmm. th- they were, for some reason, were able to still continue developing the game, but they had to kind of last minute make all sorts of changes uh, to make it as different as possible from the MSX. And it's similar enough that you can obviously tell it's the same game, but yeah, it's, it's drastically, drastically different in many different ways. And you know, what's weird is um, the same thing would happen a few years later with uh, snatcher because um, snatcher was on the MSX two as well, I believe. And um, there was a Sega CD version that was developed and released only in the US. And Kojima actually had nothing to do with the Sega CD version, even though that's kind of the one now that a lot of us tend to be more um, nostalgic about, which is kind of interesting. So, hmm. so again, this wouldn't have been the first time in which one of his uh, one of his games that he worked on was sort of ported without his involvement. Right. Yeah. So the I think the version that most of us are probably most familiar with is the Famicom or NES version. Um, which, you know, we always talk about the differences, you know, regionally. And in this case, there's not a ton. I mean, there are some obvious things, but that's definitely not going to be the focus of the episode considering how different the MSX version is. Um, but yeah, the, the Famicom NES for purposes of the discussion, assume they're kind of the same game. And, um, that's probably the one that we're the most familiar with. That's the one I played growing up Mm -hmm. and, uh, it wasn't. Well, I I think it was around college that I discovered what the MSX was uh, yeah. and kind of its notoriety for being the origin of a lot of other franchises, too. Um, there was a very early Castlevania game called Vampire Hunter or Vampire Killer on it, yep. which was not the predecessor to the NES Castlevania. They actually came out concurrently. Right. Um, but it's for, more like a Goonies 2 style, though, where it's like a, a Metroidvania almost. Yes, it's very weird. Um, it's once, good. It, yeah. There's no scrolling. It's kind of one screen at a time. You're looking for keys to open up rooms. It's it's a very different game. But, you know, when I went through a really big Castlevania uh, phase, I wanted to play back to all the old ones. And so I checked that out. Uh, MSX is famous for having a um, port of Contra. Mm. Um and yeah, just a couple other things like that. So I always knew that Metal Gear was there. I had just never taken the time to sit down and play it, mostly because mm. I assumed it was pretty much the same. Yeah. And it was years later that I discovered and learned like, oh no, this is a completely different game. And mm. uh, so yeah, for homework for the podcast, decided let's dig this out and see what the MS2, MSX2 version is all about. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I kind of the same way. Like I, I grew up playing the NES one and then played um, uh, uh, Snake's Revenge on NES. And then once Metal Gear Solid came out on the PlayStation, I played that. Metal Gear Solid 2 came out, played that. And then um, it was probably around when uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 came out is when they started including the MSX versions on the disc. 
and having Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2 with new translations and things like that. So that's, I think, when I first started playing the MSX version. Mm-hmm. And I realized, wow, this is kind of cool because it's familiar to me, but yet it's different in its own right. So in a way, right. it was cool to go back and play sort of the um, the original sort of director's version, so to speak. Yeah, the director's cut. That's a kind of a good way to put it because, as we said, the NES one is one that we're incredibly familiar with. And... I, you know, I, I love it. I'm not really going to say anything negative about it other than, I mean, there are flaws that I think are incredibly apparent, apparent in it. Um, and, but you know, you always just kind of took those for what they were and you accepted them and that was just part of the package. Mm -hmm. And then playing the MSX, MSX one, it's saying like, Oh, like all of a sudden, all of those flaws make sense now. And I kind of see what this game was supposed to be. I just never got the real version of it and it kind of, it was kind of an eye opening experience. So uh, yeah, uh, definitely glad that I did it. I'm glad that you've played through both versions as well. So that'll mm-hmm. make this conversation a little bit more smooth. Um, yeah. And yeah, I would say that, you know, right off the bat for any listeners who have not played uh, both versions, if you're familiar with one and not the other, uh, especially if you're familiar with NES and not MSX, go give it a shot. Um, mm-hmm. As Wes said, it's it's available a lot of different ways now. Um, it's kind of being included in different versions of Metal Gear Solid. So if you've got some of the modern systems, you might be able to get your hands on it pretty easily. Yeah. Um, but... I put it on the, uh, the PS Vita uh, Metal Gear Solid collection, which was cool because um, it's got a, a new translation and uh, then it has a results screen at the end. So which I, I posted my results earlier this week and um, it's very obvious that I don't have patience for a lot of stealth games. <laughs> uh, I tend to trigger a lot of alerts, but I end up cleaning up my messes, so to speak. So and you eat a lot of rations. Yeah, pretty much. I'm I'm just a uh, ration eating murder hobo. Kleptomania. <laughs> 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 oh, so. Um, so yeah, I, I would recommend people go check it out. Um, hopefully, this episode is not too spoilery. Um, there's it's definitely the kind of game where stealth is important, but also it's about discovery, finding items. There's a lot of little secrets and mm. things hidden in there. And we're going to try not to give anything away too much, but um, yeah. But yeah. on the other hand, this game is also um, it's been out for a long time too. And I think the other, um, the other benefit of metal gear is sharing those discoveries with other players Sure. Uh, especially there's going to be a few things that we'll talk about in the NES version that um, you probably would have only found out from a friend or from somebody that had Nintendo power. So right. uh, we'll try to stay away from too many big spoilers, but uh, I, I guess I would just say that if, if you're the type that wants to go in fresh and you want to pause the episode and, you know, go play yeah, it, we won't, we won't blame you for it this time. Um, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people have played them, but I'm sure it's probably been a long time too. So, right. Okay, so I would say, you know, right off the bat, we can talk um, a little bit of nostalgia before we get into some of the story story and details. So we've already said the MSX is kind of new to both of us, but uh, how about the NES version? What are your childhood memories there? Well, um, I posted this on um, on the groups earlier this week, but uh, I found uh, a while back, I found a, a little photo album that I had made uh, when I was a kid. I used to... Um, I had this little album that when I would beat a game, I would have my mom come in and take a picture of the screen. <laughs> I remember this. Yeah. <laughs> so I would kind of keep that, um, you know, as kind of a, a achievement record a little bit. So um, the first picture 
in my uh, little book was Metal Gear. It was a Polaroid of Metal Gear. So um, I shared that earlier this week because I beat the game probably, I don't know, a while after it came out. Um, but I can't remember specifically. I think I did own it, but I don't remember owning the map that came with it. So I don't know if I bought it from a video store maybe, or maybe I just rented it a lot. I'm not, my memory's a little hazy on that, but um, I do remember finishing the game as a kid and it was like one of the, like the great triumphs because as I was playing through the NES one over the past couple of weeks, I got to think to myself, I'm like, how the hell did I beat this as a kid? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because I, I don't remember having the map that came with the game that basically tells you all the locations and every, you know, every item behind the doors. So I don't know. I must have either brute forced it or I must have just really stuck to it. But uh, I I just remember feeling a huge sense of accomplishment beating this game. Hmm. Yeah, I discovered it. I don't think I owned a copy for many years. It was probably high school or college before I was able to track down an actual cartridge of it. Um, But when I was really young, I had, if you remember back to when we did... um, Oh shit, which episode was it? Wizards of Warriors, I think. Mm-hmm. I posted the, the video clip from that VHS that I used to have that was oh, yeah. the how to score more points with the just horribly, horribly inaccurate um segments. Um back when you actually posted stuff. Yes, back then. Yeah. Um yeah. one of the two VHS tapes had a segment on Metal Gear. Metal and Gear. I remember watching through it and just thinking, like, this game just looks amazing because it's it seemed so deep and involved like the the video was very very uh chopped up and it just kind of like showed him walking into a room and it's like here's where you find the flashlight and then it pops into another room and it's like pick up the compass and it's like very it doesn't help you at all but no it, would, it just no. the fact that there were so many rooms of like get this now get this now get this getting the compass anyway yeah it's completely- and then now you know fight Arnold and all the different things that you're doing. I'm just like, there's so much to this game. Right. And so the video store, you know, that I used to rent games from, they had it. Mm-hmm. And this was definitely one of those that I rented over and over and over and over again. Mm. And thank God the NES version had a password system because yeah. I'm pretty sure at least two thirds of the random scraps of paper that had game passwords written down in my house were for metal gear. Yeah. Um, and that's this was one of those games where I really took advantage of that password because I loved that there's this gigantic inventory and I could you know spend all weekend playing my rental copy, mm-hmm. make just a a little bit of progress, like barely you know accomplish anything. But then I could write down that password, save it, and then I knew that next time I got to rent the game, I could just keep going. Mm-hmm. And oh, I yeah. think over time, you know, we've slowly pieced it together. And uh, I don't remember if I actually finished the game back then, or if it wasn't until I actually got the cartridge later in high school. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's definitely a game I finished many times. But like you, then I just played through it um, maybe a year or two ago for the first time in several years and was like, wow, like this is way harder than I thought (laughs) or that I remembered. Um, Yeah. Some of the tricks and things that are toward the end, I'm like, I do not remember having to double back this many times. I do not remember, you know, the Schneider being so hard to get a hold of. I do not remember the professor or uh, the doctor like 
being so elusive. Like there are just so many yeah. different things that I'm like, this Doctor, was not this hard yeah. when I was a kid. Why is this so tough? And <laughs> right. Well, especially um, like having to call specific um, team members to get certain items like the compass and the rocket launcher. It's not. Um, and we'll talk about that more in a bit, but um, yeah, like you said, there's, there's so many little um, tips and tricks that if you're not paying attention, um, you know, it's very easy to miss some very important things. Well, and there's just, there are things where, and, and here's where the, the NES and the MSX change, or, you know, have a very, slightly different dynamic. Here in the NES version, there are things where they don't tell you what to do at all. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Getting through the garden maze or the jungle maze, there is yeah. not a single thing in this game that tells you how to do that. You know um, why? Because it's in the third issue of Nintendo Power. Okay, the, but in the classified information, so I I totally think that this was, that that was a because the mazes were added to the NES one; they're not in the MSX version, right? So I totally think that the mazes were added just to kind of boost subscription numbers. Yeah, it's possible, um, yeah. or you know, it's just an oversight that they didn't put in there somewhere because they didn't change much of the text, and you know, some of the problems that we found were that we can go ahead and say this: like one of the big changes to the game was that. In the MSX version, there are only three buildings, um, right. and they're kind of linear. Like you start off in building one. Once you finally get enough items and you've kind of cleared that, you go straight north up to building two, mm-hmm. do everything there, straight north up to building three. Um, whereas with the NES version, we know there's five buildings. Right. And what what they did was they took uh, it was the two basements, wasn't it? Yes, it was the basement to building one, the basement to building two. They when they made the NES version, they eliminated the basements, but made those two basements separate buildings. Um, And it's incredibly confusing because they didn't change all of the text to compensate for that. So there are still radio messages that talk about such and such basement or such and such building being over here. It's like, but Mm. it's wrong. And it's just, you know, a building one also had a, an extra floor, I believe. Um, It's but a, that it, also kind of makes sense, though, because, and especially if you played the later games in the series, you know, Metal Gear is kind of known for its misdirection at times. Yeah, and so, and I think that... that this could still be a misdirection. And and that's part of what we chalked it up to as kids, was that, oh, you know, just like Castlevania 2, like, some of this mm-hmm. information is just complete bullshit. Right. Um, but I honestly think, looking back at it now, that that's not what the intention was. I think the intention was they were making the same game. And then at the last minute we're told, no, you need to change this. Mm. So they changed the map around, but didn't go back and correct all of the text, That's which true. is, and so I, I think it was just sloppiness or running out of time or whatever. Um, and, well, and so, I, and I think that could be why there's no, it's a theory as to why there couldn't be, or the, why there wasn't anything telling you how to get through the jungle. It's just yeah. the text wasn't really altered. Um, so well, you know, the, the biggest one, which, you know, uh, spoiler alert, I guess, but on the NES version, there's not even a Metal Gear in it. Right. So, right. You know, and we'll talk about that more later too, but uh, uh, yeah, I don't know if it was just because, you know, things were kind of rushed out and they just kind of added some stuff here and there and yeah, didn't really, I don't know. But I guess in a way, the mazes aren't terribly difficult. I mean, you could brute force them, you know, enough to kind of find the the path through it and then well, and it it is a good example. The next day, I guess. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. It's one of those examples of the rumors and the things that we all know about games, even though I don't know where I first heard about the 
30 lives mm -hmm. code in Contra, but I've known it my entire life. Right. And I think that's another thing like that. You know, you just know how to get through the Lost Woods in Zelda. You know how to get through the Jungle Maze in Metal Gear. Um, right. And there's, uh, but there's other little things in here too that I didn't remember mm. and I couldn't, like, there's nothing telling you, like, for example, getting the rocket or the yeah, rocket launcher, getting the compass, mm. like, there's a very specific way to do that that well, nobody there's, there's tells you. There's two prisoners that tell you that, though. But they don't tell you what door you have to be standing outside of when you call on no. a specific frequency. Like, that's... No, they, yeah, it, they leave it up to you to kind of figure it out but it, it's kind of um yeah kind of cryptic because uh like the one guy says well you can you can call jennifer but she might not answer because she's a snob right which you means you have to be rank four yeah yeah so uh i'm just thinking well that, that bitch isn't answering her phone so right <laughs> um and then there's you know a lot of spots later in the game where you've got to punch certain walls to open mm. shortcuts oh yeah and that's another thing where it's like you just kind of have to know that like they don't spell yeah. that out for you there's no well, obvious hint you know it's and it's kind of the same with a lot of the bosses too because um there's not a lot of clues that tell you what weapons you're supposed to use on the bosses no so nor, really have to nor is it really all that obvious as to whether a weapon is actually hurting them or not exactly um, I found I found that you know with some of them it's like you think you're wasting them and it's like huh I'm now out of ammo and they're still running so I'm guessing that wasn't working. <laughs> now that is one thing I will say with the um, the digital versions of the MXX2 version, um, something that was added to that was um, when you're hitting a boss with the correct weapon that they will actually flash orange. Oh, so okay. it'll give you an indication that um, that what you're doing is working. Hmm. So I found that helpful. So, so yeah, it's it's a it's a difficult game. Um, there's a lot of ambiguity. There's a lot of misdirection. There's a lot of things that just aren't terribly clear. Um, mm. I don't think that any of that is necessarily worth complaining about because I think that that's yeah. just a, that's a, there's a lot of NES games that were right on the same page of just yeah. this is a damn hard game and nobody's spelling it out for you. And and personally, I praise that. I love games that just you know, the Legend of Zelda dropping you in the middle of a field and just saying, go. Um, yeah. That's my favorite kind of game. And mm. this does the exact same thing. Like, literally drops you out of a plane and says, okay, go. Yeah. And you have to figure it out. Um, and I'm actually glad that playing this as a kid, I always had the rental copy because I never had that map that, right. you know, you had with the game. Mm. And I, I think that would have ruined this. Like, because I don't want to know which hmm. building connects to which like that's that's half the challenge for the game is we're trying to remember wait which building was that in how did i get to that building because i would get lost out in the wilderness remembering do i need to go here to that building or is that the other building um yeah not remembering what key card opens what doors like i think i i spent half this game just like standing in front of a door switching between all eight cards remember you know trying to figure out which one opens the stupid thing right um so on yeah, the other hand, though, um, I I did put a question out on our um, our groups and on Twitter the other day because the map did come with the game. Uh, I was kind of wondering what other people thought uh, as to whether they thought that was cheating or not. And the majority of the responses were because it was included with the game. It's not technically cheating. So right, you know, my playthrough this past week has been um, 
just using the map that came with the game and looking at the uh, Nintendo Power issues. Mm-hmm. So I went kind of like super old school, you know, trying to just stay off the internet and play through it that way. Right. And I mean, if if we want to get on a side little conversation there for a minute, I think this is interesting. Like that debate does come up as to like what is considered Mm -hmm. cheating in a game. And my stance has always been that, you know, when I play games now, I still try to recreate what it was like to play games when I was a kid. Mm. And for me, there were always two things that I had. You know, obviously I didn't have the Internet. I didn't mm. have walkthroughs. Um, there weren't game-specific strategy guides. Um, the the two options I had for how to get, or three three options, I guess, for how to get through a game was things I heard from friends, which mm. could could be total bullshit. Um, yeah. I'm still looking for this, you know, supposed twelfth ending to Chrono Trigger that a friend swears he had, but uh, you know, yeah, but it worked in Nintendo too. Uh, <laughs> um, the second thing that you would use is anything built into the game. Um, mm-hmm. And when we get to tips and tricks, we're going to talk about one that uh, I still use when I play this game, and I don't consider it cheating because it's built into the game. Um, mm-hmm. And and three was Nintendo Power, which some people would say that's cheating because you've got you know an outside source for help. But nah. as we said, kind of at the beginning of when we started recording this show, like that doesn't spell out everything. It's hints. A lot of times it's incorrect. Um, and I mean, that was just part of it. So yeah, to me, if it was part of the game, if it came with the game, or if it was in Nintendo Power, that's fair. Mm. So yeah, I mean, it's the map is helpful, but it still doesn't tell you, you know, everything. It tells you most everything, but... Uh, Does it tell you, like, what's in rooms, like, behind doors? Like, which item? Like Yeah, yeah. Wow. Bullets, prisoners, um, yeah, whatever. So... Yeah, I, huh. I actually enjoyed playing through it with this map, though, because it did kind of feel like, um, you know, that cracking open a new copy or whatever. So, but I got, I have a boxed copy I bought probably, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. And it's got, somebody's got a couple of passwords they wrote on the map, which I thought was kind of funny. Except for one of the passwords, it looks like they gave up in the middle because uh, <laughs> they have the top, the top line is filled out and the bottom line is filled out. And then the middle is just nothing but dashes. So I don't know if he just got pissed and gave up or what, but so <laughs> that's funny. Cause God forbid back in the day you wrote down a password and then it was wrong. Oh, you know? that happened all the time. You know, an O and a zero, like, come on. Yeah. That's why I was so grateful for the uh, passwords where like numbers and letters were different colors. Like, yeah. That at least made it somewhat easier, but uh, yeah, yeah. But you hit on a good point, though. Um, as far as the, I was thinking the the benefit of passwords in these games back in the day, because like you said, you know, you could rent it, rent it multiple times, come back, use your password, and pick up right where you left off. Whereas, you know, if you had a game with a battery backup, you didn't necessarily, you weren't necessarily going to have your save game on there. No, you know, two weeks later. So. No, that was pretty much a guarantee that that was gone. Right, um, right. Now, sometimes the battery was fun because you'd like get a game and somebody had made it really, really far, and you know you got to see you know way past where you had ever been. But uh, or yeah, and and uh, you know passwords too. Like I, there were a lot of games where passwords were written in the instruction book, um, and so yeah. you try those out. Sometimes they worked. Most of the time they didn't, but uh, you know they were there. Yeah. Speaking of passwords. Um, I noticed in this one, uh, and this is more of a tip and trick, but anyway, um, if you type in the words fuck me and then all ones, it will start you right at the end of the game with no equipment. Yep. 
So, I hadn't I hadn't tried that, but I did read that that was out there, and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if if some rogue programmer back in the day just put that in there just to spite people, but I never knew about that until just recently. It's like the anti Justin Bailey. Yeah, yeah, in a way. <laughs> All right, so um, I guess for people who are not terribly familiar with the game, we should talk about uh, kind of what it's all about a little bit. Um, general story. I won't get too detailed into because it's it's actually if you read the instruction manual at least for the nes it's pretty elaborate um yeah and the, completely different from the um you know from the actual metal gear games right uh general idea though is that you are solid snake who it, i've i've seen different things some places it says you're special forces some places say you're like the new recruit mm. um based on things big boss says later in the game i think that you're pretty much like the newbie who was not expected to do anything. But yeah. um, regardless, you are trying to infiltrate the enemy base um, to discover information about, you know, and gather intelligence on this new weapon that they have called the Metal Gear, which you learn is this big bipedal nuclear warhead, basically, mm. that can walk around and could start a nuclear war from anywhere. Um, here I'll read the uh, I'll read the box uh, back of the box here, but I'll read it as Solid Snake. All right, Outer Heaven leader Katafi has activated the ultimate super weapon, Metal Gear. Responding to the crisis, covert unit Foxhound is called into action, and that's where you come into play. Trained in hand-to-hand combat and skilled in every weapon known to man, you're Foxhound's lethal fighting machine. Codename Solid Snake. But on this mission, you better be sly as well to surprise heavily armed enemies, busting them up quietly and rescuing their hostages before alarms are triggered. Plus, you've got to maintain radio contact with Commander South, who will feed you critical info on Metal Gear's whereabouts. To survive, capture submachine guns, Berettas, grenade launchers, and plastic explosives until you find and destroy Metal Gear, ending Katafi's reign of terror. For was, only. I was like transported to another world there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I love that's it. a good thing or not uh yeah it was a very good thing um so yeah the, the game is mostly stealth um this is kind of also where our first difference between the two versions comes in um the nes version you're parachuted down into the jungle you have mm, to like four other dudes that you never see again never never see again <laughs> they're just gone <laughs> um my, my theory on that even playing this as a kid, I think those are just other random prisoners that you rescue. Yeah, probably. Because you, know, you have to rescue a lot of prisoners to get your rank up, and some of them just say, you know, thanks for rescuing me. So I guess yeah. as a kid, I always thought, oh, this is the other guy or whatever. But, yeah, these are the guys that sucked. Yeah, yeah. So um, kind of like in if you if you watch some of the 007 movies, you know, a lot of the other 00 agents that just randomly get killed in the first five minutes of the movie. Yeah, they, they, slept, they slept during class. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and it's totally possible to shoot the prisoners in this game. I wouldn't recommend doing it, but <laughs> <laughs> instant rank demerit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, if you're if you're that type of player that you just want to you know rescue a guy and then shoot him while hiding in a cardboard box, you can do that. Yeah, why not? Yeah, um, you can even do it while wearing an enemy uniform if you'd like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in a way, it's a role playing game. You know. <laughs> Um, so yeah, in the NES, you drop into the jungle, you have to make your way to building one, um, 
which is honestly one of the hardest parts of the game is just getting through that jungle because there's a lot of guard dogs. There's a lot of guards who they get to hurt you and you can not really hurt them easily. You don't have a gun yet. You don't have any equipment. Um, you got a pack of cigarettes. You got a pack of cigarettes and that's it. Um, I'm surprised that that made it into the NES one. I mean, considering that, it, that Nintendo would pretty much squash out anything barely religious in a game and change it. But yet, you know, a pack of cigarettes was okay. Yeah, it's surprising it's not like Big League Chew or something like that, you know. <laughs> I've got my Big League Chew. <laughs> Do it. Um, so yeah, the, the MSX version changed that up a little bit. You Ooh. start out, you know, on a single... You're, you're the only person infiltrating. Uh, it's a aquatic entrance. You're kind of swimming up through this channel. Yeah. Uh, Which if you, you come out, you go in the door, and you're immediately... What's that? I was going to say, if you played Metal Gear Solid, it's almost the exact same opening. So it's really cool to, to kind of see where that came from. Huh, okay. I played Metal Gear Solid before I played Metal Gear on MSX. So in the beginning of Metal Gear Solid, you know, you're, um, you're swimming through and then uh, you're popping up, you know, in the, uh, out of the water and you come up and go up the elevator and all that stuff. And so it was cool when I played the MSX one for the first time, like, oh, this is cool. This is totally where they got the intro for Metal Gear Solid. It was from the original game. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, then the game from that point kind of, I mean, this is a term that hadn't been invented for quite some time, but like, I'd call it a Metroidvania type game. Um, hmm. Stealth is incredibly important. You have to avoid being seen by guards, avoid being seen by security cameras. Um there's you know trip lasers that will go off, but basically any time an alarm is triggered, mm. guards come running. Um, and depending on how severe the alarm is, like they may or may not stop. But yeah, uh, yeah so st- stealth is to your advantage up until you get to the point where you get a gun, and then also the silencer, which makes the game much easier from that point forward. It's yeah. it's really sneaking around, uh, kind of punching people in the back of the head, uh, mm. and um, yeah, you're you're kind of slowly moving through, getting. You know, it, it's a very plotting pace to pick up new items, key cards. Like all, almost all the doors are locked. There's eight mm-hmm. key cards hidden throughout the whole game. Um, you kind of need you know different keys to advance further. There's a whole crap ton of weapons and pieces of equipment that all essentially let you progress slightly farther, um, or get through different rooms or different areas or barriers and obstacles, whatever. And yeah, you're just slowly piecing it together. Um, there's half a dozen or so mini bosses throughout the game and uh, a lot of maze and puzzle and stuff to figure out until ultimately, yeah, you get to the Metal Gear supercomputer and uh, destroy yeah. it and save the world. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because uh, there's there's some weird little um, things that you'll kind of pick up along the way. Um, as you're playing, you might get captured. And you might think, oh, man, like, I don't think this was supposed to happen, which it kind of was. But um, like we were saying earlier, there's things that the game doesn't really tell you. And there's a spot afterwards um, in the NES one when you get captured. And then all of a sudden you have this new item in your inventory. that's a transmitter. Uh Yep. And then you might think as you're just walking around, you're like, man, I'm triggering every single alert when I'm walking into every screen. What the hell is going on? And it doesn't the, the game never really tells you that. Um, you have to go in and use the transmitter to get it out of your inventory. But basically, it's something that the enemy has placed on you um, to uh, to find you. Yep. I never knew that growing up. And 
just thought the game got super hard after you got captured. Right? That's what it seems like. Yep. Yeah. I think I stumbled across it and just, you know, in one of those fits of just trying every single item to see what it does. Well, and and that's kind of what the fun part of this game was as a kid, was that, yeah, you get this gigantic inventory, and some of the items are obvious. Like, the gas Mm -hmm. mask, you know, there's, I think, two different rooms in the game where there's maybe three, where there's gas piping up from the floor, and you're dying Mm -hmm. as you're walking through, so you put on the gas mask, and you can make it through it. Right. And the first one of those rooms you find, like your radio even signals, it's like, hey, put on the gas mask. So they tell you what to do there. Um, mm-hmm. But you but still have to take it off and try all the key cards. Right. So you can but still die trying key cards. other items like um, the cardboard box. Nobody tells you what to do with that. Like you just have to experiment and figure it out. Um, you know, flashlight. What I cool that was the, uh, the cardboard box in the NES version. I never knew this till recently, but... It's totally possible to shoot out of the cardboard box. So cheap. And I never knew, <laughs> yeah, I never knew that was a thing. But um, if you really want to have fun with this game, you know, go around, equip the cardboard box, and just you know, just sit there, wait for the enemy to walk past you, and then just shoot him with a silenced pistol. With it. You know, I yeah. don't. There's just so many moments that, like, if they ever made, if somebody ever made like a Metal Gear movie, but made it like really tongue in cheek, like that's the kind of shit that I want to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the um, the antidote is another item that's you know no one really kind of spells out what to do with that. Um, yeah, but well, know, I, there's a there's a prisoner I think that tells you um, like if you get stung that you need the antidote or something. See, I always thought the antidote was like something the doctor needed. So when you mm-hmm. rescued well, him, like sense. like I, I, maybe it's just because he looks all sickly and pale and gross. But you know, um, yeah, I yeah. There's just the doctor. So. Or, you know, they, they say you need the compass to get through the desert, but all yeah, the, all, yeah. all that means is you just need to have it equipped while you walk around. Right. But I'm expecting, like, I need to use it somewhere. So it's, they give you hints, but don't really spell everything out. Yeah. And well, it's just, the same with, you know, like we said, with trying to locate the compass and locate the rocket launcher. Exactly. That you have to contact Jennifer to even get her to place them in the room. Because otherwise, if you walk in, they're just empty. Right. Yeah. So I, I enjoy that. I like the kind of just playing around with the things because that also meant that there are some items I just never have used in this game and mm-hmm. still don't. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I think that's one of the, the fun aspects of it. Um, and, you know, going back to the difference between the two versions, most of the items are the same. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I think, one notable difference, maybe two um I did not find body armor in the MSX version. Did you? Uh, I'm trying to think now. Did I? I don't think I did. I never did. So I don't know if yeah. that was added to the NES, but was never actually in the uh, it might MSX. Be I found it so late in the game that I never used it. Yeah, I definitely did not find it. Um, the other big change, which is not spoiler, but does kind of, it was a fun little moment to discover, is that the iron glove has replaced with the parachute. And in both games, that item is used to find the doctor, but mm-hmm. in a very different way. Um, yeah. And I thought that was really fun, you know, when I'm expecting the game to be at this point so far, it's the same game, just the map is different. And then when mm-hmm. I discover, like, oh no, there's like even parachuting scenes and things to <laughs> like, that's a fun little twist. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a weird one because uh, um, the, the bridges are still in the same spot on the roof in the NES one and you just walk across them. But in the MSX one, 
uh, was it you walk across them and then there's um, there's one screen where you have the parachute equipped and you just you know walk off the screen and it just kind of you see a little cutscene of you parachuting. Uh, yeah, it's that. it's basically just to the east of where the bridges are. Like you still go south and around. Yeah. In in the MSX, you have to fight a giant helicopter. In the NES, it was the two twin gunners. Yeah. Um, but then once I... you once you go north from them, that's where the parachute screen was. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So that was a fun little change. Um, I, I I made a list of just different things that I was noticing as I was kind of playing the two uh, mm. versions. Um, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll read through some of them real quick, but the uh, in the MSX version, when you punch an enemy to death, there's a chance that they'll drop either rations or ammo, which yep. is incredibly nice. Yeah, that was nice. Um, the MSX version also has different degrees of the alert, so like yeah. it's not always the same. Like sometimes there's a higher alert, which basically means like leaving the screen doesn't make it go away. They'll the alert continues until you finally clear off the enemies. Uh, or get into an elevator, um, but that's <laughs> that's a little bit different because yeah, you kind of cheat the NES version. It's like just jump into a truck and all of a mm -hmm. sudden it's gone. Uh, the truck have started to move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nobody feels asleep in this one. Right. Uh, what else did we find? Uh, oh, the dogs don't sound the alarms in MSX. Um, right. They'll get up and they'll chase you around, but they don't trigger the alarm sound. Hmm. Um, by and large, the enemies in the MSX version are stronger. Um, mm -hmm. the, there are a lot of enemies like in the NES version that don't even have guns. Um, the NES or the MSX, they all have guns and some of them are even more powerful and take like two or three hits to kill. Um, bullets, at least your bullets don't go as far on the MSX version. No. And I noticed you have to be positioned almost perfectly in certain spots to be able to actually hit the enemies well and like it made lined up but sometimes it just the bullet goes right over their head which is and weird. it made the bosses very difficult um yeah, specifically the machine gunner or the machine gun kid mm -hmm. um you can't just stand at the bottom and shoot and wait for him to run into the bullets because your bullets don't make it all the way you have to go up and confront him uh or mm -hmm. find a you know different weapon but yeah you can't you just the machine gun on the machine gun kid or the you, pistol or something you can't do it from the bottom of the screen. You've got to go at least halfway up those little aisles. Okay. Cause see what I did was I, I used the um, grenade launcher and I, I would wait for him to, um, cause his machine gun would sweep kind of left to right. Kind of like the, kind of like yours does. Mm -hmm. But um, I found that if you went up there a certain way, about halfway, you could, you could throw about two grenades and then back off. Yeah. Without being hit. See on the NES, you don't have to go up those channels at all. Oh, you that's just, true. Yeah, Good you point. can just stand at the bottom, shoot a couple bullets up, wait for him to basically walk into them, and never get hit. But yeah, you, no matter what weapon you use in the MSX, you've got to go up there a little bit into firing range. Yeah. Um, the only other thing that we haven't mentioned yet that I found really noteworthy is, um, in the NAS version, it's very easy to avoid the cameras because you can just hug the wall. Um. Mm -hmm. That does not work in the MSX version, and no. that was eye-opening. <laughs> when... yeah. I think um, you can use the box, though. I think that's why I ended up doing is yes. if you just sit in the box as the camera passes you, then you can go by. Yes, and that's why in the NES version, I never used the cardboard box. I just hmm. didn't really feel that it was necessary growing up. But yeah. as soon as I realized I can't 
walk past the cameras if I'm just hugging the wall. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be using this box a lot. And I did. Um, yeah. Because there's one corridor, I think, in the third floor of building one, maybe it's the second floor, that there's like three cameras, you know, two on the right hand side, one on the left or whatever. Like you can't get through there without the box. Um, right. So, yeah, that that was very different. And, it, you know, I liked that because it made the game much more stealth based, whereas I, I, I really felt like the NES version is the easy version because the mm-hmm. alerts don't last as long. You can yeah. cancel them easier. You can hide from cameras. It just felt like. And you can you can pretty much murder your way out of every screen and then get to the next one unharmed. Yes. Yes. If you do it right. So um, obviously nobody triggers an alert on the next screen, even though like five guys just died on the screen right. to the left. So the MSX version definitely taught you, you know, you have to be stealthy, you have to be secretive, mm-hmm. and uh, you can't just you can't just bull tank your way through the game because right. uh, you're not going to last very long. Yeah. Um, I found myself many times going back and like mentally remembering which rooms had rations because I'd have to go back and restock a lot, mm-hmm. you know, or restock yeah. ammo. Like it just wasn't as abundant and uh, it was a lot more necessary. So yeah, I, yeah, there's, there's a couple of rooms you can, you can grind for rations and ammo, mm-hmm. which is good. Yeah. So, I mean, all in all, I would say my experience was that I think, I mean, as I've said, I've loved the NES version for as long as I can remember having an NES. Um, But even though I still won't say anything negative about it, now that I've played kind of the air quotes real version, Mm. it's no turning back. I mean, this one is just so different. But like I said, you can tell this is what the game was supposed to be. And the version I've been playing is kind of a sloppy throw together remake Mm -hmm. yeah i was just gonna say i noticed um another difference on the msx one um after dying several times um occasionally the game will just give you 12 rations on continue like really uh, yeah so if you're or depending on what rank you are uh there were a few times that you know i was just either trying to tank my way through a situation or i was using up rations left and right and then i would continue and then occasionally, like every couple of continues or whatever, like you'd hear this noise and you'd check your inventory and you'd have full rations. I'm curious if either that was something that was added to the ports mm. or if you just died a lot more than I did because I never saw I that. Died a lot, so. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I did too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I'm yeah. not trying to say like I didn't, but, but uh, uh, no, I, I, I never experienced the, that. The other thing I noticed, um, on the on the NES one, when you die a lot, it tends to put you either right in the beginning of building one or sometimes like outside of the elevator, um, somewhere in building one as well. But I noticed in at least the MSX version that I played that um, you're, you're sort of not really, more like checkpoints, I guess. Um, it kind of saves after every elevator scene. Yes. So, yeah, so that the, the NES had checkpoints too, and it was it was based on two things. Like once you had discovered certain buildings, mm-hmm. that that would trigger a checkpoint, or your rank yeah. was also a checkpoint. Because um, yeah, until you can get like that second rank, every time you would die, you'd still be back at the beginning of the forest and yeah. have to go through it again. Um, whereas yes, the M- MSX version it kind of allowed for a little mini air quotes save point. Like if you could just get into a elevator even if you immediately walked right back out, that would save the game with mm-hmm. um, 
your your current rations, your current uh, bullets, your current equipment, and everything like that. So what I would find myself doing in the MSX is like if if I just found a, a new item that was really hard to get, like crossing over the you know suspension bridges or something like that, I'd immediately go run back to an elevator and mm-hmm. just so that I had that that continue spot from there. Right. Um, yeah. Kind of save it from there. Right. So. Anyway, thank. Uh, anything else you want to bring up about this before we do a little tips and tricks or? Yeah, I thought I'd share um, a couple of things that some of our listeners had uh, had talked about. Um, I put a little thing out there um, just to kind of get some some of people's memories and feedback. Great, uh, you know, of, of playing through Metal Gear, and uh, a couple of our listeners chimed in, which was cool. Um, there was a, a listener, Kyle Regan, on Facebook said that uh, uh, he got this game from a friend's yard sale and remembered it being ridiculously hard and never beat it, but he went back and played it later and finally beat it using a walkthrough and he remembers being disappointed that uh he wasn't just fighting mechs the whole time which <laughs> you know i i can get that there's a there's a metal gear on the cover and oh yeah there's not really a metal gear in the nes version but nope. uh, it's, a, it's a gigantic computer terminal mm-hmm. that you have to just place plastic explosives on the keyboard and yeah but uh, you know what I, as a kid that didn't really bother me because like in my mind i always kind of thought like the metal gear is like you know, in the next room or something like that. Like you're just kind of, it's so big and important that, you know, right. you can't get an even, even close to it. You got to blow up the control panel for it. Yeah. But then, yeah, you play the MSX. It's like, Oh, there it yeah. is. <laughs> uh, Evan says when he first saw the box art, he thought it was a Terminator game, uh-huh. uh, which is completely understandable because, um, and I posted this as well, that um, the uh, artist who drew the box art for the ultra games, um, NES version, basically just copied a um, publicity still from uh, Kyle Reese from the Terminator. Yeah. So if you put them side by side, you're like, yeah, that's, that's totally what that is. So no no doubt. Um, uh, Nick Brown also posted, um, he had uh, just a little bit longer post, but um, I'm going to share it because I think, I think it kind of encapsulates like a feeling that I had playing this game as a kid. And I think some other listeners probably, kind of had the same feeling. And Nick says um, he had Metal Gear growing up. He asked for it for his birthday after seeing an ad. And he says he was pretty sure it was the uh, the ad says gear up and it showed all the different weapons and items you could carry, which looked really cool, which I found that ad as well. It was pretty neat. Like, it doesn't really show you any screenshots of the game. It just shows here's all the weapons and, and stuff in this game. Like, isn't this awesome kind of thing? And it was. He says, you know, it was cool. You started out with nothing but a pack of cigarettes and your fists. And he says, just getting to Outer Heaven was a major challenge, but this is the first game that he played that involved a stealth mechanic. It didn't take long to kind of get the concept. Um, Nick says there there were enough games on the NES, like, you know, Rambo-style games, but this was sort of a nice change of pace. Uh, He remembers times where he was too lazy to write down the codec frequencies and found himself having to try out every single frequency to figure out who was on what channel. Done that. Which I can see that. Um... Looking at the, uh, you have to pay attention. You have to pay attention when uh, a prisoner says, "Oh, Diana is now on such and such frequency." Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He remembers like looking at like the images of like the suspension bridges and the steamrollers and stuff like that. Um, risking deep water or gas-filled rooms early on to see what he could find, and remote control missiles being like the most fun weapon in any game, which I, I totally <laughs> agree with. Um, yeah, it's just you know the. Um, I don't know. It's just it's just cool, you know, because uh, he goes on to say that he didn't realize that Kojima was involved back then. But 
um, you know, it wasn't until about 98 or 99 when Metal Gear Solid came out that people started to kind of pay attention to that. And that's when, you know, um, that became more of a thing, I guess, as far as discovering this sort of alternate version. Uh, but anyway, he says he got all the key cards, memorized where every pitfall was, having every codec frequency written down and got all the gear. In the end, heading up the elevator shaft, it felt like a satisfying experience complete with simplistic yet dramatic plot twists. Obviously, I had no idea what a tour to force the series would one day become, but the ending reminded me of the escape sequence at the end of Metroid, another game I grew up with and loved dearly, so it resonated a lot. Mm-hmm. So thanks, Nick, for sharing that. Um, I think that that perfectly paints a picture of what a lot of people probably experience when they play this game. Yeah, definitely. That's why I like doing the show. I like hearing stuff like that. Yeah, me too. Um, all right, so tips and tricks time? Yeah, absolutely. Tips and tricks. Okay, so I only had one that I really wanted to share. I think that um, a lot of the fun of this game is kind of the stealth, but as I hinted at before, I have always been a believer that if something is in the game, even if it's kind of glitchy or whatever, I think it's fair. Um, mm. I used this quite a bit when I was a kid, and I've since played through it before, you know, as an adult and realized that I don't need to use it, but it's just a habitual thing that. Uh, it's, it's a little bit of a bug in the game that happens to work and can get you through some really tight spots. So if, uh, if you've played Metal Gear a lot and have discovered that the pitfalls are a big pain in your ass, mm-hmm. there's an easy way to avoid them. Um, as soon as you enter a screen where the, the floor starts to open up, immediately go into the item screen, um, which is, I believe, the select button. Mm-hmm. And when you then select whatever item you want to go back to the main game screen the pitfall is gone um now at least it looks gone what happens is that kind of pauses its growth so it's a little confusing to describe but basically like as as the pits grow they kind of have like three or four different sizes that they as they expand Mm -hmm. whatever size it was when you paused it it's going to stay that size and it won't get any bigger, but be aware that it's still there. You just can't see it. So mm-hmm. it looks like solid floor, but if you go walk where that little spot was, you'll still die. Um, but yeah, there's a couple spots, especially late in the game, where pitfalls open up in such a way that if you're not very quick, you they will block off an entire room. So this is just one of those ways where if, if it's going to block off the, the path for you, or if you walk into a room and you just weren't paying attention and it's growing and it's going to get you before you can get out of the way, hit select real quick. It'll, it'll kind of pause it. You can come back in and, uh, you know, walk away safely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. My, my tip is kind of similar, um, in that, uh, this has more to do with like the bosses specifically like the tank. Mm-hmm. Um, the tank, obviously you were supposed to place mines on it to, uh, uh, to let it run over and blow it up. But the problem with that, and this is on the NES version, but the problem with that is um, you, I don't know if your hitbox on there is like your entire character, but there's times that, you know, if the tank just barely hits your head, it considers that it ran you over kind of thing. Yeah. So it can be tricky to kind of place those mines exactly, but there's a trick to it in that uh, when you start off, the tank is at the top of the screen and it's kind of moving down and it moves back and forth. But um, as you're placing a mine, if you go into your inventory screen and then come back out, the tank starts again at the top of the screen. Mm-hmm. Because the, the game has to kind of, you know, redraw it at that position. It didn't remember where it was before. 
and there's several other bosses that kind of do that too. So um, I just thought that was kind of a, a fun little way to kind of cheat it a little bit. Yeah. And that does work. And I should also caution people to be careful. Um, at least in the MSX version, I screwed myself a couple of times because if you place, I know it happens with plastic explosives. Maybe it happens with mines too. Yeah, actually it does. I remember it on the fighting the tank in the MSX version. Mm. Um, there were times that I would like drop a mine or drop a plastic explosive. And before it had a chance to blow up, I would go back into my inventory to like use a ration. Uh-huh. And, and when I came back onto the main screen, the explosive was gone. Right. Um, yeah. So it, it just didn't have the memory to, to remember that you had placed it there before. Right. So I actually screwed myself the first time I got to the metal gear because you have to have 16 plastic explosives to do it. Yeah. Um, there's two little they lasers at the place them in the correct order. Right. Um, That's the other thing. I had and they don't, 17. They don't tell you what the last one is. They don't nope. tell you if it's. Yeah. You right. got a 50, 50 chance of just completely boning it anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah well, sure you write that down. That's my other tip. Uh, if you're playing the MSX version and Dr. Dr. Petrovich tells you like, he'll tell you right away, like, Oh, place it, you know, this, 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 and this, and you better write it down. Yeah, he gives you the first 15. You have to guess the last one. Right. Um, and we're not going to spoil it either. But um, no. yeah, I was fighting the Metal Gear and the there's two little lasers up at the top that occasionally could hit you. And mm. so, I, I've, I don't know, I had dropped four or five of the plastic explosives already and dropped another one, got hit by a laser. So I went in and took a rash and came back out and the explosive was gone. Yeah, And I was like, well, that means I don't have enough to do this. So... Mm. I had to die and go back in, you know, making my way back there because, uh, because I was hungry, my mm-hmm. explosive disappeared and I, the, the world got nuked. <laughs> right. That's fine. So, yeah. I got to say though, um, this is more of a difference than a tip or a trick though, but, uh, the, the final couple of fights in the MSX version are, are much more, uh, dramatic, I guess, or satisfying. Um, you know, after, after playing that, I still like the NES one, but, yeah they're not only more satisfying but they're also a bitch um Mm. i found that i think of the nes version like growing up i was always disappointed by the sub bosses because they just Mm. didn't really matter um they were pushovers they were very easy to beat um once you kind of learned the pattern like none of them were really that tough um but there were there were three or four in the MSX that when you see them and, you know, I, I, I tried, you know, seven, eight times before I finally figured out how mm. to kill some of them because it's yeah. just not, it's not easy. Um, the helicopter is a great example of one that's just like, that's not, <laughs> that, that's not an easy thing to take out. Um, mm. I finally discovered that there is one place you can stand where none of the bullets can hit you, but it took mm. me eight or nine tries to get there. I'm trying to think, I, I think for that one, I think I just stood off to the side and, and, fired remote control missiles uh i well if you did that then you were a higher rank than i did than i was because i had all the missiles i could carry for my rank and it was not enough to blow it up okay then it wasn't missiles i did something maybe it was grenade launcher the grenade launcher does it but there's only one spot that's within range of it that the bullets won't hit you oh yeah I Um, i don't know i didn't but see i think too if you equip the ration and just have that as a uh as your item on screen if you if you go down to zero health, I think it just instantly refills it, doesn't it? I know it does in the later games. Uh, I don't know. I never tested that. I always used it before I got there. 
I think that's what it does still. I'd have to go back and try it for sure, but hmm, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought the helicopter was tough. I thought there were other bosses. I thought, um, I don't know, hell 1987 spoiler alert. Uh, the b- fight with big boss is, was yeah. a total bitch in the MSX. Like yeah. he's running around, like actually getting him into position to where you could hurt him was very tough. Really? So, yeah. I, I didn't think it was too bad. Cause I had him, uh, uh, again, I I was on the opposite side of the screen from him, and I was kind of peeking out between the boxes, and he would pop out occasionally and shoot. But um, again, I I think I was using I was firing the rockets from the rocket launcher, like I'd pop out, shoot a rocket, and then kind of duck back in and out a little bit to kind of trigger him to drop down and hit the rocket. Mm, okay, and it wasn't too bad. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. I I guess as our final wrap up, I would. Um... Say I was a huge fan of the MSX version of this game. I've always loved mm-hmm. the NES, but uh, it's it was fun for me to discover that there's a way that you could improve on a game that I kind of considered damn near perfect anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, when you I like said, them. I like them both because it's uh, it's nice that you know you kind of have almost like it's like two sides of a coin in a way. Right. Um, when you first announced that you wanted to do this as an episode, um, I. I almost hesitated and I, I kind of told you like, well, let's, let's push it off and not do it next episode because I wanted to make sure I had enough time hmm. to play through the game. You told you me know. that like a week before recording, like I'd already finished the MSX one. And you're like, let's push this back. I'm like, dude, I've already beat one of the games. <laughs> Come on. um, yeah. I mean, I, well, I was concerned because I, I really wanted to give it its, you know, due, and I, I wanted to play it right. I didn't want to rush through it just for the recording. Uh, and I wasn't sure how long it would take me to play through the game, but I, I wanted to do it do it the right way. Um, mm. And I was really glad that I did. And as it turned out, I had plenty of time. But yeah. it, it it was fun because the whole time I'm sitting there playing it, I think I was texting you, you know, throughout, you know, just saying like, I, I feel like a kid again, you know, discovering, you know, th- this must have been what it was like when I first discovered Metal Gear for the first time. Like, that's mm. how I felt. And it's like, I didn't have any strategy guides in front of me i didn't have any help i hadn't heard any secrets from you it was you know based purely on what i was just assuming the game was like and it was just go have fun and discover a brand new game from you know 30 years ago um yeah and i I loved it it was that was fun a fun experience so that's that's what i i had the same kind of experience with playing the nes one because it's been it's been years since I've sat down and played through this game and it's, you know, I don't know why, but uh, I don't know, but I was thinking back, I think I've played almost every metal gear game in the series. So that's probably why I've missed going back to some of them because there's been like 13 or 14 of them total, I think. Well, and I think that it's the kind of game too, at least the NES one is one that um, it's probably fallen off a lot of people's radars because you know, and today we all know the Metal Gear Solid franchise that kind of took over and everybody's mm-hmm. heard of it. Um, and yes, this MSX version is showing up in you know some of these newer games as like a bonus feature. But the original Metal Gear, the NES version that we all grew up with, is really rare. Um, I mean, yeah, the cartridge is still out there, but mm-hmm. this is one of those few anomaly games that was a big title yet mm-hmm. it's somehow managed to elude um, reports. It's managed mm-hmm. to elude uh, virtual console. Um, I mean, it's it's just not out there. 
So I have a theory on that, but I don't know if it's correct or not. But um, this the NES one was the first game in the Ultra Games label. And uh, for those that are unfamiliar, um, back in the NES days, Nintendo had a restriction on how many titles a company could put out in a given year. So Konami decided to create a uh, separate company to release games, which they called Ultra Games. And I think it was uh, like four games a year is all you could release or something like that, four or five. So uh, Metal Gear was the first in the Ultra Games lineup, followed, I think, by Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, maybe, and um, a couple other ones down the road. But I almost wonder if it has something to do with the Ultra Games label, Hmm. which is why it's not on anything digital. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. Um, Because there are a couple games that are like that. They're just in this limbo, and it's... Mm -hmm. It's odd because they're big titles that people love, you know, Wizards and Warriors. When we talked about that, like, I think that's another example. Yeah. Um, well, that could be rare and rare being bought by Microsoft and yeah. And, know, and some of those IPs and stuff like that. So you just have the rights problems, you know, and, and, and I get that. Um, yeah. But yeah, this is just one of those where if you don't still have a working NES or Famicom, um, then this probably isn't something that you're really playing unless you're, you know, an emulator uh, user, yeah. but like, but I, I don't I, think it's not terribly expensive. I mean, as far as cartridge wise, I don't think. No, it's it's not, and I. It, but I just don't know how many people are still playing the NES. You know, other it, it, people who are into retro games obviously are, but like the more casual person, you know, I think this would fall off your radar because it's it's not on Virtual Console anywhere. It's not. Yeah. There, there. It, it's not a hidden part of a DS game. It's not being remade. Like it's just it's just gone. So. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, alrighty. Well, I think that was uh, a good discussion and I got a whole bunch of nostalgia flowing through me right now. So, uh, yeah, I want to hear more. I could, I could talk about this game for hours, but obviously we want to keep it a little bit, you know, shorter, but, uh, you know, there's, there's just tons of, and I think, you know, a lot of us that grew up with this game and played it have a lot of nostalgia for it, love talking about it. And it's just one of those ones that's, uh, it's great to play and discuss. So, Absolutely. Um, and yeah, so I want to hear more nostalgia stories. So people have those. How do they get hold of us, Wes? Well, you can uh, contact us by email at graveyardduckpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook. We've got a group out there, Graveyard Duck Podcast. Um, we're on Twitter at Duck Graveyard. And, uh, you know, um, our codec frequency is 120.13, but Scott's a snob and probably won't answer you. So, right. Unless you got four stars, yeah, screw off. That's true. So, which, and according you... to the instruction book, uh, it's kind of funny. They they refer to um, uh, four stars equals the honor of the royal dragoon, the highest <laughs> foxhound. <laughs> so somebody's having fun with that. I'm surprised Schneider hasn't jumped into this episode yet. Right? <laughs> that elusive Are bastard. Are you talking about like like Schneider from Metal Gear or Schneider like TV's Schneider from? You know, like back in the sitcom days. I assumed it was the same guy. Is it not? Oh, maybe it is. Mind blown. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, we're going to keep the uh, listener request train rolling. I got another one coming up in two weeks. Um, So looking forward to that. I think it'll be fun. Another interesting conversation, but probably on the opposite end of the spectrum from this one, just in terms of uh, how much we know. But uh, Definitely tune in for that one. But uh, until that time, I'm Scott. And this is Snake. And remember, 
The mission finally ends when you die or when you win. Game over.